Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. It's great to be back uh, with our show, Taking Care of Business, uh, following a long weekend in Canada and, you know, a great summer day. Uh, My guest today, Sue Stiles, is the business coach, speaker, and author of two books. Uh, First book was uh, Be Extraordinary Right Where You Are. And her second book, which was just published, uh, The Little Red Stick, What Gets Measured Gets Done, was recently released, as I said, and we'll discuss it later. Uh, Sue is the founder and president of Maximized Results Consulting. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. Um, usually, this is the time uh, when I share the guest bio uh, with our listeners. However, today I'll do it a little bit different if you are okay with that. I will share some of your bio, past and present. You know, you can't do it without it. But if you're okay, uh, I want to tell the story how we met and uh, what made me invite you to be a guest at uh, our show, Taking Care of Business. So a little bit about Sue. Um, She's a former TV host for five years, I think. Uh, 20 years as a credited adult educator. Uh, She's a certified business coach, 12 years as business consultant and administrator in the real estate industry. And Sue is also an instructor with the Calgary Real Estate Board since January 2013. Recently, you became a member of the Board of Directors of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. Uh, And Sue and her husband have seven children between them. Yes. Well, (laughs) I can hardly manage three. Good for you. (laughs) So let me share with you guys how I met Sue and why I decided to uh, invite Sue to be a guest on my show. Uh, On March 14th this year, earlier this year, uh, it was uh, the second episode of Taking Care of Business. And um, my guest at that time was Tanya Eklund, uh, one of Remax's uh, top realtors in Calgary. And the next day you sent me an email, and I was surprised. I, there was an email from a lady named Sue Stiles that I've never met, never heard of. And with a very clear message, I want to be interviewed on your show. You didn't ask, you, did, you just made a comment. I want to be a guest on your show. Um, I was very happy. First of all, I realized that I had one more listener, just not just my family, which was great. And the second part was that, you know, it gave me kind of indication that I'm doing something wrong, which was the second episode. Following, we had a coffee at Starbucks here at the corner of 11th Avenue and 4th Street, and uh, we decided to meet, and Cassandra, uh, my assistant, and I came to meet you. And um, as, as Cassandra and I walked out from the store and after we had coffee with you we knew that we we're going to invite you to uh, our show your story is amazing and and it's not just um, you know what you have achieved right now and it's more about how do you, do you achieve and how what you had to go through to get to where you are and that kind of as an entrepreneur myself that had my lows and and, and highs um, I was uh, really impressed and that's why we we're here sounds good <laughs> So, uh, as usual, uh, we always start with some personal questions because our listeners love to know who the person behind the consulting uh, <laughs> and the advice is. So, where did you grow up? 
I grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia, in Canada. Uh, but you were born here in Calgary. I actually was born in Calgary. Um, and then my parents uh, moved around a little bit and we landed in Vancouver. So what age did you leave Calgary? Oh, uh, probably before I was two. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't remember those no, days. No, <laughs> I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> when did you come back to Calgary? What year? I came back, I think, in 2002. Okay. Yeah, after a divorce. So I'm here more than you. Yeah. <laughs> We're both immigrants. <laughs> uh, what did your parents do that you kind of traveled? Uh, My dad worked in radio. Mm, okay. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when you start in radio, you don't always get to land a show in a big city. Mm -hmm. And so he did some small town uh, stuff until we landed in Vancouver. And, and um, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Um, so growing up, what kind of kid were you? A hyper, quiet Geek, social animal. Well, I would say uh, I was a wonderful kid. <laughs> I'm the oldest of three, and so um, I, I guess some people would call me bossy, but I was very outgoing. I loved people. I loved to make friends and um, loved being involved in lots of activities. So I really enjoyed life and, uh, and loved being out there in it. So uh, when you mentioned a lot of activities, did you do any sports? Did you play any sports? You know, I loved ballet and I loved acting right from being little. So any kind of dance, any kind of acting, theater, and, and that's where my heart was. Do you still dance? Oh, well, you know, sometimes when I'm getting ready in the morning and a good song comes on the radio, David, I can't just, I can't help myself. <laughs> that's perfect. So you high school in Vancouver? I went to high school in the Lower Mainland in Surrey, which mm -hmm. is close to Vancouver. Um, I went to um, a high school that specialized uh, in acting and uh, had a really good few years and I played the trumpet in band. I was the only girl with seven other trumpet male trumpet players and our music teacher used to call me seven white, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> so I uh, enjoyed my high school years. So what happened to the acting career? You know. I was going to become a famous actress. I, I will admit that I graduated high school and I uh, went to the Romero Academy of Dramatic Arts in Vancouver and I thought I'll, I'll become an actress, that's what I want to do. And then I met a man and fell in love mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, just a little bit more than acting, I think I'd like to have a family. Okay. How old, how old were you? And I, well, I, was, <laughs> I was about 19. Oh, okay. Uh, but I always loved the family life. I, I, always, I knew I always wanted to have kids. And, uh, you know, a house with a white picket fence would have been nice as well. And so uh, I got married the first time, and we had four children. Um, but throughout my adult life, what my passions were always creeped you know, crept through. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was in theater, I was, uh, did some educating for adults, so I performed in some aspects. And today you use it when you do your presentations? And I, I can be a little theatrical and I'm very passionate about it. So, uh, but you know, there's no script. It's a real life now. Okay, we'll talk about it later yeah. when we get to business. Um, so, you know, if I call one of your schoolmates, high schoolmates, or one of the teachers, how will I say, can you describe Sue to me? I have to meet her and uh, I have to interview her. What kind of person is she? What should I do? I think they would say she doesn't hold anything back. I tell it like it is. Uh, I, I don't have much of a filter. Um, I have learned to become kinder, you know, uh, and more thoughtful as the years have gone on, I hope. And, um, very outspoken, loud, 
love to be the center of attention in the middle of a party. Perfect for radio. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, perfect. So uh, you mentioned uh, you finished high school and uh, you thought about having a career in acting. However, you fell in love and uh, family came as the first yeah. option or the first. So you get married at a young age? Yes, I got married at 20 and had my first child at 21. Okay. So, and then three more. And three more in the next few years. So you became a stay-at-home mom or you had to work to support the young family? I was uh, mostly at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I, w- I really wanted to experience that and be a mom. That was a big desire in my heart. And so I was at home with the kids and uh, very involved with them. But what would happen when, when it'd be quiet for an hour and the kids would be napping and I could think, I would have an idea to write a book or I'd have an idea to go be in a play or I'd think, oh, I'd like to do this. And so I was always in a choir or in local theater or doing some kind of writing. I've written children's stories, you know, all kinds of things. And so uh, I pursued my hobbies and I really enjoyed that while I had the children what, in, until they were in school. So you never let your artistic side die. You always kept it alive. I, I couldn't. And I think if people really have a passion or a talent inside them, you know, when they're quiet and they're sitting there, it stirs up inside. So you mentioned earlier the word uh, divorce, and I, my parents got divorced as well. So uh, at what stage of the marriage you, got, you guys got divorced? When did you realize that it's not going right? You know, we had a great life. Everything was fun. Uh, four kids. We had moved from Vancouver to the Okanagan, which is a beautiful holiday, lakeside, you know, town. And uh, my youngest one had just gone into kindergarten. And that was when the things fell apart in the marriage. And uh, depression had a big part of that. And, uh, you know, I really have uh, empathy for those who suffer with, with uh, mental issues. But it, it changed our marriage. And so the youngest one just went into uh, kindergarten. And um, that's when things fell apart. And so I had to, I grabbed the four kids. We waved bye-bye to Holidayland and hello to Calgary. And uh, I started finding out what it was like to have to find a real job. I'd been working in uh, just doing a, hosting a magazine style TV show, which was lovely. We visited wineries, went houseboating, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was, it was so it's a nice. Great life. It was a great life. And, uh, and you know, you just never know what tomorrow brings. So uh, we moved here and I, I tried to find a job. So you just uh, mentioned, uh, that you grabbed the four kids and they were kindergarten to grade five, more Something or less. Something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. From the ages you mentioned, I kind of, and, and you know, we, we watch, we all, some of us watch the words of the show Survival uh, on, on TV. Mm-hmm. But Survival, for many people today, is a TV show. For you, it became a way of life. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, the bottom really fell out. And so I had to uh, find out what a food bank was. And over that next year, we went into bankruptcy, which I had... Uh, when you say we, it's you and I, your ex or just I, it's you? It's just me, okay. really, yeah. Okay. I, I include the kids in, I guess, because they were part of the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And and th- that was a really hard time. Um, so you, you go to food bank and, and you go to find a job and... Uh, you have four kids at uh, very young ages. Um, 
how do you manage all this? Where do you find the, the energy, the power, the strength, the mental strength? Because I remember when my parents got divorced, um, I remember it is, it's funny, but I remember it is a good thing. Mm. I remember the fight before and then the quiet after. Yeah. So it was tough. In 1969, not a lot of people were divorced in Israel, yes. so I was the only guy in school. Mm. But where do you find, I've never s- stepped into those shoes. I was a kid. Yeah, I I think if it would have just been me, I would have just packed up and went home to mommy, you know, just laid on the couch. But it wasn't just me. Uh, and when you have a purpose maybe bigger than yourself, you have no choice but to find the strength within yourself to supply for everybody and my strength comes from spirituality uh, I really feel like I got to know God very closely because I I really had no one else to turn to I see um, family supported you I had a lot of emotional support mm-hmm. you know my mom was very supportive I didn't continue a relationship with my own father so um, I had a sister and a brother who also, you know, come on, Sue, you can do it. Uh, it was just the financial that was just lacked so desperately. You say now just the financial, yeah. but with four kids, when you, the financial when you don't is have an it, issue. Yeah, it's, it's everything when you don't have any of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you say you have a very strong su- emotional support, which is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then how do you turn the page? How do you make it? When was that aura that you got, I'm going to make it, I'm going to fight it, I'm going to make my kids you know, happy and I'm going to make my kids proud and who, what we do? Uh, I'll tell you there was a point because uh, things just got worse and worse and worse. And I will always remember my son was turning 12. And I had no money for a party, for gifts, nothing. But I thought, I could just give him the food he wants. What kind of food would you like to eat? Well, he said Chinese food. And that's something I just couldn't make at home. And I was so discouraged, but I thought, I am going to find a way to get him some food that's Chinese food. And uh, having no money or resources, the only thing I could think of was to go to my neighbors and ask if they might have any bottles that I could take to the depot. And I don't know if they knew what was going on, but they were so nice and kind and gave me what they had. I took the bottles to the bottle depot and I got just enough money for uh, some ginger beef and noodles, made a big pot of rice. And, you know, at that point, I just felt so, uh, so much like a failure as a parent. And I, I had no hope. I didn't see any way anything was going to get better. And so that week, I was moping around in chapters, just looking, looking around, you know, and um, I saw a book that had a black cover, and it was by Dr. Henry Cloud, and I was just drawn to it, and I went and picked it up, and I flipped it open, and I flipped to this page that said something like, things don't always work out. Sometimes you have to make them work out. And I had a little aha moment, like... Nobody was going to come and fix this for me. Uh, yes, God was on my side, but he wasn't going to take over and, and change things. I had to make it happen. And when I, I guess when I had that aha moment, I decided, if it's up to me, then let's go and do something about it. So, um, you know, we have a phrase in Hebrew that says, God helps those who help themselves. So that was your decision, to help God help you. Yes, Yes. And you found a job. 
And I, you know, I, I apply, I had been applying for everything, but I kept applying and uh, somebody in real estate hired me. And I had never worked in real estate or thought about it, but uh, I worked my butt off and did the best I could and learned everything about the business. So your first job in real estate was which uh, office? My first, my actual very first job was in property management okay. in downtown Calgary. <laughs> and then I moved to a residential realtor, one of the top agents in the city. And boy, I'll tell you, he could he could do a business like nobody else. And I was just lucky to get in there and see somebody who was really doing it how it should be done. And I just thought everyone did business that way. But uh, I soon found out that was not the case. I see. And we're going to discuss more business uh, soon. Um, so uh, you work in the real estate and you decided that the real estate industry is something you like and something you want to kind of more focus in and be better at? I really liked the industry um, and I considered being an agent. I did go and take the licensing course, but um, you know, there was a different, there was that internal passion that still in those quiet moments, even in the hard times would rise up and, uh, and it just had a heart of teaching and speaking and sharing how to do it. And that's where I ended up going. Perfect. Uh, we're reaching our first commercial break. So uh, make sure to open a new tab and check MaximizedResults.com. Check Sue's blogs and watch some of her speaking videos. Uh, you'll see her acting ability. <laughs> and we will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with our guest, uh, Sue Stiles, uh, business coach, author, and speaker. Uh, Sue, I want to kind of start moving into the business arena and um, ask you one more question. When you do your presentations, and do you share some of your personal story? Because it's very powerful what you have gone through. You know, isn't it interesting? I never was going to. I mean, it's very private, and uh, and it was a hard time, and it has nothing to do with business per se. But uh, I, I allow me to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so I have learned. I was at a brokerage, and I was sharing with uh, you know twenty or thirty agents about the business, and we were getting into it, and I ended up sharing a little bit about my personal story. And somebody in the room asked, you know, when did it turn for you or, or when did you decide to make a change? And so I shared a little bit more of my personal story. And the way that it seemed to impact the room um, just, just gave me an awareness that I think there might be some value in sharing that story and afterwards so many people came up and said I'm dealing with the same thing or I'm getting divorced or this is really hard or I have no money and I guess I I didn't realize consciously that that was leading somewhere but now when I speak I usually share a little bit of that story and every time people will come up and yes they want to learn about the business or have me help them but Probably 60% of the people who come up will also mention, thank you for being so vulnerable. It's, it's not easy to share that that kind of story, but I do share it, and I think it touches people's hearts and gives them hope that, you know, I have been at the bottom, and, and now I'm living my dream, really, and so can they. So I, I do share it. This is awesome. So when was the aha moment that you said, okay, now I'm going to be a business coach. I've learned the industry or I've learned uh, not the industry itself, but the people. And now I want to kind of change and I'm going to the top. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize I had learned anything. Here I was working, plugging away probably for almost five years with this realtor and uh, loving the business, churning it out, doing the deals. Like I said, I had taken the licensing course and there came a point where I said, well, I should become an agent with you. And we talked about that. And then, you know, with four kids at home and being a single mom, we discussed the timing, uh, the time that I would be needed to be on call. And, and so... I decided I wouldn't become an agent because I didn't want to be going out at night and on the weekends. Those were times for me when the children were still in school. And so 
what happened was the realtor said, well, I would like to build a bit of a team. Will you help me train the other agents? And so we brought on, I think, three other people. And I set to task to teach them how to do a real estate business. Well, like I said, I didn't realize I knew anything. (laughs) But as I was sharing what I had learned, I realized how much I had learned. And as I taught them, again, my heart kind of fluttered and I said, I love this. I love sharing what I have learned with others and helping them succeed in their business. And from there, I went on and helped agents build new businesses. And I've worked with other top agents right in their offices, helping them to improve their businesses. And you know what? It's like um, my grandpa used to tell me about money. Mm-hmm. And I remember he used to say, you know, the way you can can uh, spot a, a fake, you know, $20 bill is study the real thing. If you study the real money, you'll notice when something's not right about the fake. And when I look back, I just had such a great opportunity to be working with the real thing, you know, with several top agents who were doing the business well. And so now what happens when I when I go out and assess uh, an agent, I just see where the gaps are, what they're missing, because I've really been lucky to be with the real thing. So when did you start uh, Maximize Results? Well, I sort of morphed into it, I guess. At first, I just started helping people, and then I thought, oh, I could help somebody else. And at a certain point a few years ago, I realized, I think I could do this full time and actually make a business (laughs) out of it. I don't know why anyone isn't doing this already. I mean, of course, there are some nationwide doing, you know, high-level coaching for, for realtors and solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, but I'm very grassroots. You know, my feet are on the ground. I'm in the business, but I decided I'm going to make a business of it, and it's been going very well. Uh, you know, knock on wood, things are going well, <laughs> and, and lots of people need my help, and I'm happy to help. So you started your own uh, company? Yes. So uh, I have my Ma- Maximized Results Consulting is my business, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm the CEO, founder, president. I can call myself whatever I want, I guess. <laughs> Chairman um, of the board. Yeah, for sure. It, or if you follow Robin Sharma, maybe I'll call myself nothing. Yeah. I'm just here to help. I see. <laughs> and um, so people knew you in the real estate world on the admin side. Yes. How did they accept this change from admin to coach well they seem to accept it very well and perhaps some of that credit goes to the realtors that I have worked with who you know in my opinion I say they're doing a big business they're they're the ones who stir up the business they're the ones making it happen but often they will credit that back to things that I have done if Sue's supported me in this Sue's make it makes it run Sue makes sure nothing slips through the cracks and with that with those accolades, I guess I I get the respect. I see. Um, so it, when we did our research and I read uh, as many uh, you know uh, websites or, or presentations or blogs that you've, I, I found something that was called Maximized Results Mastermind Group. Yes. And then I saw that it ended after four years and ten months. What yes. was that? That was you know. When I started doing my business, 
I wanted to be supported myself. I wanted to be with other business owners, entrepreneurs. And so I looked around for a group, a mastermind group that I could be a part of. And I, I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I started one. And I put out a call to other women in business. They didn't have to be in real estate, but any women in business who wanted to be in a mastermind group. And I ran that for, like you say, almost five years. We did five seasons from September till June. And we would get together every month and we would talk about what we're doing in business. How can we grow our business? What are the challenges? What are the victories that we want to celebrate together? And that support, you know, we all need support, especially as solopreneurs. Here we, we work alone. Realtors work alone. Lots of entrepreneurs end up working alone. Where do you get the support from? Because, you know, in prison, the worst punishment is solitary confinement. Yeah. So we don't want to confine ourselves to a prison of our own our own work. So I, I created a support group. But after the five years, my business was so busy, I decided to refocus attention and pursue other things. So that uh, group kind of ended so after we, four yeah. years and ten months. Yeah, yeah. we ended at, and uh, we're all still good friends. We. We still are are social, socialized together and support each other ongoing, of course, but uh, different phase of the journey. Um, as we mentioned, you're an author of two books, and, and I want to touch uh, on your first book, uh, Be Extraordinary Right Where You Are. Um, and, you know, I found it very unique. Um, if you visit my home, probably I have on my library, in my library, about 50 business books. None of them talks about admin. They're all about CEO, chairman, president. Yes. You took a very different approach. You, the way you, you write it or the way it's for the employee, it says on the cover, it's for the employee. Yes, because after those years of working in admin, that wasn't a role I chose. That was honestly just the first job I got to put food on the table. And I am not a natural administrator. I am not naturally organized. I am not naturally detailed. But I worked my butt off so that I could keep a job. And in finding that, I met other admin. And I found they maybe weren't highly um, respected. Maybe they didn't enjoy their work that much. And I... I found a way to do something I, I might not have really been that good at to begin with and enjoy it. And so I thought I'm going to write a book to encourage admin to be the best wherever they are. Whatever you're doing right now, do it the best you can because you just you never know who's watching you or where it might lead to or what you might learn in that role that is going to benefit you. So even if you don't like it right now or if you do, but just to encourage people to make the best of it. So um, I asked my admin staff to read uh, the book, and I asked them to ignore Appendix 1, <laughs> which is, this is for your boss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what is the feedback you got from this book? Did you get it from bosses or from admin? In the beginning, I thought I would sell all these books to the bosses, and they would share them with their admin staff, maybe give them... Uh, a book on Administrative Professionals Day, which is the third week in April every year, celebrated internationally. And I thought that they would think that was a, a great tool. I soon found out 
that many corporations, you know, and where there's bosses and managers, they don't really spend too much time in the training, sharing their vision with their admin, and and sometimes just giving them appreciation. And so I ended up speaking to um, administrative organizations and supporting them from the, the ground floor. And they have enjoyed the book. They have, I've gotten lots of emails and they've found encouragement in it. But I, I do have those couple of pages at the end that they can always cut out. And if I do sell it to a realtor or a solopreneur, I say, read the back first, because this will help you support and appreciate your admin and you'll get better results out of your admin staff then. Um, what is the number one take from this book, in your opinion? Be extraordinary right where you are, in my opinion, is the take. Wherever you are, be the best that you can be. That is it. Um, so during your work, and as you mentioned, you're a business coach and, and you coach a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, um, you, you meet you know, people that are very successful, but you also meet people that struggle. Or I would say, you know, maybe struggle is the wrong word, maybe they are not as successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see as the difference? Why, what creates the difference between the two? This is a big difference in the statistics in real estate tell us from the National Association of Realtors, there's an 87% failure rate in the first five years. That is huge. I'm sure most people who go get their license don't go in going, oh, well, my goal is to fail within the first five years. <laughs> and yet that's what most people, what ends up happening. So um, so back to your question. What was your question again? So what's the difference? <laughs> yes. Like, Why do you see guys that are very successful and guys that can't make it? So we have two aspects when we're going to be successful as an entrepreneur, solopreneur. One is an instinct to drive. I'm going to do it. I can make this happen. I have a passion, an interest. The other are the skills. You have to know, what are you going to do on Monday morning when you wake up and you just got your license? What do you make of your office? How do you process a deal? How do you get a client? These skills. So if you don't have one, then the whole business fails. Well, most agents will go and get the drive and the instinct, but many do not have the skills. Those ones who make it the top, you know, 10%, the top 5%, they do the work, they make it happen, they do the research, they find out what they need to know. Um, You know, I like to say the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. They work hard, they do everything they can and those who don't make it, just I often find they just don't know what to do or how to do it. Um, I have a kind of a question that I struggle as well because I have in my company uh, a lot of solopreneurs. Basically, every real estate agent is a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, do you give advice to people when you see that they don't, they miss one of the two, just get another job, leave the industry? It's not for you. <laughs> I. Because on the other hand, they are paying you for coaching, so it's lost revenue for you if you give them this advice. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, listen, I don't care about my revenue. I care about them being successful. And so usually in our first meeting, I go over, why are you doing this? Because if they don't have a passionate why, 
they will not have the stamina to do what it takes to do the hard work when they don't want to do it. And so that's usually one of the first questions. And once in a while, I will say, you know, if, if this isn't the business for you, think about going back, you know, get a job where someone will pay you and tell you what to do. Because this is very hard and you have to have a big why and really want to do it if you do want to do it. But if you do want to do it, then let me show you some things that will help you. So how do how do people accept that advice? They, it's an ego. You, you hurt their ego. Well, I'm, I'm here as a coach. <laughs> and if an ego needs to be hurt, then let's get honest right from the ground up. Because if you're going to build a business on a shaky foundation, it's going to fall apart sometime. Right. So let me be honest with you. Like I said at the beginning, I don't usually hold things back. And so anyone can make it. It doesn't matter what personality, but you have to know why you're doing what you're doing. And if you don't, if you just thought you could get rich quick, maybe I can give share some honesty about the industry. And maybe it's not the right industry for you. Uh, I don't usually come across that when people hire me. Maybe they're passionate enough to get the help they need. But it is true for people to think about that before. Or if they're in it and it's not succeeding, let's take a step and review. So um, you think that... that- two biggest hurdles uh, people have when they get this kind of direction is if you don't have the drive and the skills, all the rest doesn't matter? You have to have both? You have to have both. Can you teach skills if someone has the drive? You can absolutely teach the skills. The logistics of running the business are totally teachable. It's the same thing every time in this business. Another real estate transaction, it goes through your system, through your process, and that's where I love to get my hands in there. Perfect. Um, after the break, we're going to talk about your second book that was just uh, released uh, about 10 days ago. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, we're kind of uh, the second commercial break. Uh, don't forget to log in to MaximizedResults.com and follow Sue on Twitter, like Sue on Facebook, and follow her on LinkedIn and YouTube. And we'll meet you here in about two or three minutes. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? 
live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Uh, we're back with Sue Styles, business coach, author, and speaker, uh, owner, president, CEO, chairman of the board of MaximizeResults.com, as you mentioned, Sue. So um, let's go straight to your uh, second book that was just released, The Little Red Stick, What Gets Measured Gets Done. Well, my criticism is, and I just got the book, Yes. is I've heard this part, What Gets Measured Gets Done, gets done a hundred times, um, that's if I divide by 10 what I actually heard. So what's the difference between this book and other business books that use the same phrase? Well, The Little Red Stick is a story about how they make Tabasco. Do you know where they make Tabasco? No clue, but I I love it. I love spices. Yeah, so in Louisiana, they make Tabasco, and they have a process where the pepper pickers pick every single pepper by hand. And Tabasco's been made for over 100 years, it's you know, a great product, but early on in the production, the owners discovered that if those peppers weren't picked at the right shade of red, at the right ripeness, that the Tabasco wouldn't be any good. And so they had to, to invent something that would guarantee that the peppers were right. And sometimes the simplest solutions are the best. So they ended up getting, they just went and got a stick and they painted the end of it, the exact shade of red that a Tabasco pepper needed to be. And so they call this Le Petit Baton Rouge down Mm -hmm. in Louisiana. And that means the little red stick. And every single pepper picker all over the whole world as the peppers are grown in all over, they get one of these little red sticks. And if they're out picking peppers and they're ever not sure if that pepper is right, all they do is they measure it against the little red stick. No questions. They know what's expected. They know the standard that needs to measure up to. And so in a solopreneur's business, nobody is measuring for you. Nobody is keeping you accountable. You have to do it for yourself. And so I encourage people to create their own little red sticks. They they have to know their standards. They have to know what they want to do. They have to know their systems and processes. So every single time they work with a client, that client gets the same excellence, that same service. And when they bring in staff, everyone needs to know what to measure up to. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. I didn't know the story about uh, the petite... Le Petit Baton Rouge. Le Petit Baton Rouge. Now I know French so fluently. <laughs> um, in your book, you're talking about the five daily habits. Yes. 
And you're not talking about, you know, shaving, brushing your teeth and having coffee. No. Um, what are the five, in your opinion, what are the five daily habits that every salesperson, entrepreneur, solopreneur, employee? Yes. Everyone has to have in order to succeed in what they do. I found the same things over and over again in these high-level producers, people doing over, you know, two million in commissions. And when I looked and dissected their businesses, I kept realizing they are doing these same things well. And I tried to be very specific in my book. Uh, Number one, they take care of their clients before they are even clients. They're not waiting to be in a transaction before they're taking care. And so this has to do with- Can you give an example? Well, you know, you have to build your reputation so that people are talking about you before they're hiring you. Right. Because we all know in sales, number one way you're getting sales is word of mouth. Yes. Well, how do you get your name to be coming out of someone else's mouth? You're staying top of mind and you're building your reputation when they're not working with you. So you've got to take care of those clients You've got to have that vision in your mind before they're even clients that you are taking care of people. When they're thinking real estate, your name is coming out of their mouth. And and now with social media, there's so many ways to do that. So from you know old-fashioned print to high-tech social media, lots of ways to do that right now. So um, I want you to mention the five habits that you think. But before that, I want to ask you a question that usually I'll ask after. Sure. But I want to change the order right now. So... In your book, in books, the, the first one, Be Extraordinary Right Where You Are, and uh, The Petit Baton Rouge, um, <laughs> you basically are preaching to some people for change, change mm-hmm. in their habits, change in your work, change in what you do. In order to, yes. Now, how do, you, how do you people accept call for change? What are the challenges you see when you call people for change that they kind of fight back or resist? I can't make anyone change if they don't want to. And, you know, I can't make people do what they don't want to do. And so we know that. But if you want to build a business, number one, I'm going to ask you what your goals are. And if you have a goal to do 100 deals this year and you're only doing 20, then you've got that motivation. And the bottom line, I always tell the agents, it's what you're doing every single day that makes the results at the end of the year. What your daily habits determine your yearly results. And so it is only a little change every single day. And I will hold your hand and I will show you what that little change is and I will help you week by week. And what happens is by the end of the year, you look back and realize you have made some big changes in the results of your business by only doing small different things every single day. So your, your, your point is don't expect or don't try to, you know, do a 180 degrees change, do it five degrees at a time. Yes, and that five degrees can make a big difference at the end of the year. So now let's go back to uh, the petit, le petit baton rouge. I love it. <laughs> You're very good. <laughs> um, the five daily habits. I, I, I was out for a few years. I stepped out from sales just to grow the company. Now I'm back and I'm not doing so well. 
probably is after six years of just running the company, I still have the habits of running the company. So yeah. give me the five habits that I have to do going forward to make this 2017 and 18 a successful. So then the number one, take care of your clients before their clients. Number two, if you want to build a big business, you need to build a big foundation. So here we are in this big building, you know, high rise, you know that there is more than half of the cement usually is under the ground. You have to build a big enough foundation if you want to go high. If you do not build that foundation, you will implode under the weight of success. So I go through exactly what that foundation needs to consist of, lead generating all the time, um, systems and your processes and how you are managing your business. Number three is you have to have a vision to scale or you're going to fail. You have to have a way to grow. If you think that you can't do more than two deals a month, you won't do more than two deals a month. You need to have a vision of how you can take it to five deals a month, 10 deals a month, 20 deals a month. It's possible. How do you do that? So you've got to be able to scale the business. And I talk about really improving those systems like look at McDonald's. There's a great example of a company, you know, they take teenagers who can't, I have four kids. Those teenagers cannot be counted on to make their beds, to keep their rooms clean. They're unreliable, yet McDonald's has such clear defined processes that they can take these teens into their companies and have them run billion dollar production lines. That is a test of of a business that can scale. Number four is they've got to just change their mindset to invest in their business. They're the ones who have to invest and they've got to learn the tools. So we have several tools in the real estate industry, databases, um, you know, technical tools that realtors shy away from lots of times. You know, they they default to an Excel spreadsheet or Word documents or they've got contacts in their phones. That is not how we run a high-level business. So, yes, you're going to have to spend some money investing in and learning those tools And if you don't know them yet because they will help your business grow. And number five, I call it the swing through. You've got to swing through like a golfer. Do you golf? No. <laughs> I don't really golf either. But I, ha- I had the pleasure of speaking to a golf coach before I spoke at a tournament one time. And if you can just visualize from the beginning of a, go- a professional golf swing, they start way behind their head, up in the air. They accelerate through the swing when they connect with the ball. And the swing goes all the way around, full circle. And so when you're running the business, it's not just about one transaction. You're buying one house. Thank you very much. You know, hope you'll call me next time. It's about taking care of them before they're even your clients, that they've heard your name, that you've built your reputation, that you accelerate through the process, that your systems are excellent, that they're never disappointed, that nothing's falling through the cracks, you're on top, you're communicating. And then after the deal, after they're not your clients per se, you're still building relationship. You are still finding ways to stay top of mind. You are still in connection. You are still their service provider, taking care of them anytime they're thinking of real estate, swinging all the way through. Well, I have to describe to the listeners that, um, you know, your acting career is still ongoing because you, <laughs> you used your hands to show me how the process works with a, with a golf swing and that was awesome. <laughs> I wish I had cameras here. Um, so, 
you know, we, we're not promoting, but where can people buy those books? The books will be on my website, MaximizeResults.com, and on Amazon, we will put the book. And when I speak, of course, I bring the books with me. So if anyone has, a, you know, a brokerage or a conference, that's where I really like to get in touch with the people and, and see if I can help them. Um, so <clears throat> if you had to give um, a new solopreneur, entrepreneur uh, advice on two or three mistakes you've made along the way from to becoming a solopreneur what will what were the two or three mistakes or hurdles you 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 give advice to avoid well probably number one because I just came back from a conference in Toronto and I I've heard this so much and you know we're in Canada we're so polite we we don't expose ourselves we don't show ourselves and show our value enough and this is a kind of business when you're a solopreneur on your own you're the one that has to toot your own horn and to get comfortable with that you've got to really expose your value and let people know tell them all the time I love this business I'm passionate about it don't devalue yourself by being polite and not wanting to bother people and never promoting your own value. Any uh, final pieces of advice? We're getting kind of to the end of our show. We have another two minutes. I would say look forward to building a team that you can count on. Look forward to hiring out those few little things that you might not want to do or you might not excel at. And I really see agents being able to excel and leverage their own selves when they hire on a first admin or support person and and know that you can become a leader that will turn your own support staff into support stars that's really somebody that can help you build a team that you can count on don't coast you know the only time you coast is when you're going downhill you always have to be driving the business and and have fun with it um so remind me when did you start your business? When did I start my yeah, business? Yeah, maximize result. Four or five years ago. What year are we in? 2017. So and it, it yeah. seems that you're still enjoying it. And I'm living my dream. I truly am living my dream. I love what I do, helping people. I never knew I knew anything until I started sharing. 15 seconds. Looking back to where you were after the divorce and where you are today, how do you feel about yourself? How do your kids feel about you? Well, I could almost cry when you when you ask that because it's been a hard, a long road. It took a lot longer than I thought it would, but I didn't give up. I wasn't able to give up. I stuck in and I made it happen. And everyone can make it happen if you want to and let me be an example let me give you the hope you might not have right now you can do it so now you know why you're a guest and three months ago i didn't even know you uh our time is almost up uh sue i would like to thank you for sharing your personal story and your journey to success uh it's an amazing story uh and uh as as well as your experience as a business coach next tuesday i'll be hosting reverend dr ayana danielle james we're going to discuss spirituality entrepreneurship and business I want to thank our listeners. Our growing audience includes now listeners from 32 countries. I'd like to remind you to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow me on Twitter. 
I uh, would love to hear back from you at my on my email, dvwallach at gmail.com. I wish you all a prosperous week, and I'll meet you here next Tuesday, May 30th at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.